Hey there, friends and listeners. Welcome to episode 47, and this is the second episode of season 5. Now, ratings have been down the last three or four shows, but no worries. The folks who do uh, listen, I love and appreciate your comments after every show. You know who you are, and I thank you. Actually, we're going to have a special listener of the week uh, for this week's uh, show. I'll be announcing uh, a bit later. But uh, So I want to get to the first topic, or the first topic I want to discuss. So, uh, you know, when I choose two or, or usually three topics for the week, I don't go by perceived importance, you know, of the issue. I, I usually see the topics poll I do on Twitter. Now, out of the 20-some-odd votes, uh, 72% of you out there voted to hear about the abortion debacle going on here in the U.S. with the Supreme Court's desire, or secret desire, to overturn Roe v. Wade, which is just... Uh, at the moment, it's leaving me speechless, uh, but we're going to get to it. Um, but actually, first, I want to bring up SpaceX. Yes, our good friend, Elon Musk, and I say that with more than a hint of sarcasm. As you know, in New York, uh, we're very sarcastic and witty folks. But anyway, it seems uh, we could be uh, witnessing witnesses to a new 21st century space race. And it's not between NASA and China or Russia. Well, Russia, obviously, are, you know, they're too busy bombing civilians to get caught up in some silly space ex- exploration. But it appears that NASA is becoming quite threatened by the Musk-owned SpaceX, trying to get people, astronauts, and whatever else back up to the moon. Now, not NASA is watching this, um, and it appears that NASA uh, is being threatened, being, seems a bit threatened, and, um, you know, I mean, you think of NASA as the... Um, you know, the, the preeminent space agency in the world. Uh, so this can get quite interesting. I have a piece actually from thehill.com, which I am going to read a bit from and see what they got here for us. Uh, it's just, a, why is FAA approval for a SpaceX Starship orbital launches taking so long? Uh, it starts off, an old joke is going around social media that if the Apollo program had to pass modern environmental regulations, America would have never landed astronauts on the moon. The FAA, which is the Federal Aviation Administration, seems bent on proving the premise of that joke. It recently delayed its environmental review of SpaceX Starship orbitable launches from the company's facility in Boca Chica, Texas, for the fourth time. The latest announcement that the FAA report has been delayed yet again until the end of this month uh, has caused a proliferation of conspiracy theories on social media. When Ars Technica space reporter Eric Berger reported the delay on Twitter, a thread developed in which people chimed in with suggestions that the environmental process was being slow-walked or even rigged. One common sentiment is that the FAA is delaying so that the uh, NASA space launch system will fly before the orbital SpaceX starship. Now, that's where um, that's where that whole thing came into play about... Um, you know, about the uh, the space race potentially going on between uh, NASA, because, you know, NASA is watching SpaceX, what SpaceX is doing. And, you know, listen, what's going on with the FAA, Elon Musk, anything that, 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 that affects Elon Musk negatively, I'm going to I'm going to be all for, you know, I mean, um, I will bring up I mean, I'm bringing up now uh, that I'm not really a big proponent of space exploration anymore. You know, we went to the moon. We, we, we put that, that little uh, spider thing up there on Mars, uh, you know, and we found uh, supposedly water trails or whatever else. I think it's a big waste of money at this point. Uh, some people disagree with me. Uh, some of you out there disagree with me about um, 
that it's it's an antiquated it's an antiquated idea idea you know to to me i think we need to fix try to fix what's going on down here you know and, and these musk these musk musk bezos these guys think you know and they're just doing it for their own personal amusement i don't think they have good intentions where oh we're gonna save you mankind by you know by, by by setting up hotels up there it's ridiculous Anyway, so moving on with this piece here. However, a sound principle where government bureaucracy is bureaucracy is concerned is to be careful about uh, ascribing to malice, what can also be explained by inefficacy common with the federal government. In announcing the latest delay, it suggests that the reason includes the need to wade through about 18,000 public comments and that SpaceX has made some last-minute changes to the application that has resulted in the need for further analysis, according to CNBC, which is no surprise. You know, Elon Musk, he's a sneaky little, he's a sneaky little bug. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't think he'd care if, uh, you know, he, he did some environmental vi uh, violations to, you know, to be the first, you know, back up to the moon. He, you know, it's all about him. It's all about him, how much money he can make, how much prestige he can get, how much uh, more celebrity that he could achieve. And that's what it's all about. So, you know what, usually, um, you know, when, when, when it's, you know, kind of like the government against, uh, you know, the government is sort of... Uh, you know, trying to stop somebody from doing something like this. I usually roll with the with the private uh, folks, you know, because you know, it's hard to take the government side on anything. But in this case, man, you know what? Keep Elon fucking Musk grounded as long as possible. You keep that SpaceX ground. You make sure, FAA, you make sure that he is doing everything he needs to do environmentally before he sends his penis rocket up there. Excuse my language, but you know what it looks like. Unless that's Bezos. Is that Bezos' rocket that looks like that? I don't know. Anyway, so uh, moving on here. First, why is the FAA constantly blowing past its own self-imposed deadlines for getting the environmental rule com uh, review completed? Can that agency not perform accurate project estimates? Second, while the volume of work seems to be enormous given the stakes, how many resources is the FAA devoting to the review? Could the assigning more people speed up the process? Uh, finally, one wonders whether the FAA comprehends the true importance of the SpaceX Starship and the ability to launch it on a regular basis from the Boca Chica site. The FAA is not evaluating the environmental impact of a new freeway or an office tower. The Starship represents a quantum leap in the U.S. Uh, capacity to launch heavy payloads into space. Uh, true, it seems like they may be picking on him, but I don't care if they pick on Elon Musk. You know, I mean, I just, there's something about him. I've said it many times. I just, you know, and, and the billionaires, you know, I, I, they're, they're just, they, to me, they just seem, there's some such a different world than me and, and many of you, I'm sure, out there as well, that it's just, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to really get get with it, you know, get with what they're doing because they have so much fucking money to burn. You know, and, and, you know, I'm not one of these people, like, oh, well, maybe if they give it to me, you know, I could, I could, you know, and that's true. You know, you can give uh, however money, uh, thousands of dollars to people, you know, to get them out. He's not going to do that. It's his money, you know, and, and he's not going to do anything like that. But um, as for the space race thing, man, I think NASA is, is doing something to try to shut this down. Uh, let's move on here. Let's say the recent test of anti-satellite weapons by Russia and China as well as Russia's nuclear saber rattling, which we'll mention later, in the wake of that country's invasion of Ukraine reminds us that the world is still a dangerous place. More importantly, these events suggest that control of space will be a crucial part of making the world safer against the threats posed by tyrants and terrorists. The Starship could provide the new United States Space Force the means to operate directly in space on a constant basis. This Space Force thing, it's such a, it's such a damn waste of money. I really believe that. 
I really believe that. I mean, it's it's a, it was incredibly vague when Trump came out with the Space Force thing. It's just another thing to throw billions of dollars at that, that we don't need. We don't need it. There's no Star Wars going on up there yet. You know, you got the International Space Station. You know, you got your Mars rovers. Are we, you know, are we really expecting a a a, a Star Wars like in, intergalactical uh, war anytime soon? It's ridiculous. It's totally absurd. It's totally fucking absurd. You know. Anyway, so uh, I'm going to try to finish this off in the next minute or two. The SpaceX facility in Boca Chica is located near a wildlife sanctuary. Oh, how nice. SpaceX should take all measures necessary to preserve that sanctuary. But the Kennedy Space Center in Florida has been launching rockets for over six decades while next to the Merritt Island National Wildlife Refuge. Space launches in the environment can coexist in Texas because it has already done so in Florida. Uh, Finishing off with this piece. Uh, let this uh, latest delay be the last one the FAA imposes. Uh, let the approval for Starship launches be given all with all due speed. Now that last little uh, paragraph there was the uh, writer, you know, slipping in in his uh, opinion on the matter. Now I, like I said, I, I hate to be so biased against against old Elon, but you know he's done so many things that it just generally um, pissed me off. And I mean, I, I was never a big spaceship enthusiast. You know, even as a young boy, I mean, I love the Right Stuff movie, uh, for those of you who have seen that. Um, you know, she really showed you the ins and outs of the U.S. Uh, Soviet, the U.S. Soviet space race of the late 60s and early 70s. You know, very informative, entertaining movie. Uh, not sure of the year. I think it was maybe 1983. Uh, Dennis Quaid was in it. Uh, Sam Shepard, a couple of others. But it was an awesome film for the time. Anyway, so moving on, uh, next issue we're going to tackle is the, as always, uh, at least for me, a very uncomfortable uh, abortion uh, situation or abortion issue. And uh, not sure if that's a good word, situation. Now, I had a lovely lady named Margie Hansen several months back on the show, and she did an excellent job breaking down the abortion issue. And I wish I had her back on with me for this, uh, what I'm about to get into, but you know, this is a solo rambler, as we know. Uh, the last bunch of shows have been solo ramblers. So, uh, actually, let's get into the New York Times article, which is the second time I've used the New York Times. Uh, Rose potential and forces uh, politicians to a deeper abortion debate. Uh, the president of Roe v. Wade uh, has often offered a shield to politicians in both uh, parties when it comes to discussing abortion, allowing them to take up their preferred label, pro-choice and pro-life without wading into details. But the leak this week of a draft Supreme Court opinion that would overrule the landmark ruling has cracked that shield, forcing many lawmakers and candidates to explain how they approach abortion morally and politically. Uh, The court has warned that the ruling is not final, but with a post-Roe world seemingly on the horizon, Republicans face new pressure to define exactly where they stand on issues like full abortion bans, exceptions for rape and incest, and and criminal penalties for abortion. I mean... Uh, did it stop the, uh, the, the the crazy lunatic Republicans in Texas and uh, Louisiana, the, 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 the bans for rape and, uh, and incest? No, they don't care because they got to they got to cater to this crazy religious right. And they, they don't care. They don't believe in abortions. It doesn't matter if your uncle, pardon me, you know, this, I don't want to get too, you know, into the incestual part of it. But, you know, your uncle impregnates you at 14 years old, right? You know, the rest of your family finds out abortion all the way, you know, will do whatever it takes. And you can't, your state, you know, your government won't let you do it. 
You're 14. This is a hypothetical thing. I'm sure it happens all the time, especially down south, you know. I love my down south listeners, but you know this type of shit goes down there. That happens up here to you. It happens everywhere, you know, especially, you know, rape, everything. Um, and what are they to do? Have a child with someone who who, who assaulted them, someone they, they may not even really know? And, and God forbid, like I said, if they're if they're in the middle mid teens and they're supposed to take care of this child, and I'm sure they love the child, you know. Anyway, you know, no matter what, you know how the it came about. But if this girl, if her parents, if you luckily she had parents or whatever, if they, especially being a minor, how could they? How could they? How could they uh, justify it? I, man, let me tell you something. The religious right in this country is dangerous. It is a dangerous entity. You think Trump's bad? You know, you think Trump and his, uh, you know, crazy, uh, whatever the hell they are, you know, I, you know, they're very racist. I understand, you know, they're bigots, xenophobes, but the religious right in this country has always been the most dangerous entity for this society. Is my opinion, the religious right, the hardcore religious right, the one that'll, you know, throw paint thinner on you if you're going in to get an abortion. Those are the ones you really have to watch out for. Those are your, like, uh, right-wing zealots, you know. Those are the ones that are going to cause a lot of problems. Anyway, so the uh, the leak, um, uh, the court has warned that the ruling is not final, but with a post-Roe world seemingly, oh, I read that already, sorry. Uh, Democrats, for their part, have few immediate judicial or legislative options and must figure out a long-term political answer which means confronting head-on an issue many in the party have long treaded carefully. Uh, we take a look at the different camps in each party that are emerging ahead of midterm elections. You got your Republican absolutionists. This is what I was just mentioning. For the Republicans, most devoted to the decades-long effort to ban abortion, the news that Roe could soon uh, fall, open the floodgates of more restrictive legislation. Interesting, Louisiana state lawmakers. Excuse me, state lawmakers advanced a proposal that would classify abortion as homicide. In South Carolina on Tuesday, Governor Henry McMaster, when asked by local reporters that the state should push for a more aggressive measure than its current 20-week ban, he said, "The more we can protect life in South Carolina, the better it will be for everybody." Asked if there should be ex- exceptions to an abortion ban, McMaster said, "I believe not." Now, he's just catering to, to the base of the voting base in South Carolina, sadly, you know, and I'm sure he really believes. I'm sure he's 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 taught himself to believe that this is the right thing to do. But I hate this quote, protecting life in South Carolina. Uh, Governor McMaster, are you really going to care what, what happens to that child post-birth, especially if it's an African-American child? Do you Are you going to give a shit? Are you really going to care? I sincerely doubt. I'm getting worked up here. I'm getting worked up. Uh, a few episodes ago, you know, I, I, I didn't make a joke, but I, you know, I was going to say how everything's so negative. But this is serious, man. You got governors of major, you know, states with, you know, I don't know uh, South Carolina how many, uh, you know, what the population is in in South Carolina. But I mean, you know, South Carolina is in a completely backward state. You know, you got you got some people. You know, in the election is uh, South Carolina a uh, lot, a lot of, uh, you know, you know, blue, blue. You had some blue voters there, and. You know, this is really more about it. You know, I'm a man. I'm a man. You know, I'm obviously pro-choice and everything. But I'd love to have a female on here when I talk about this issue, because you know, there's certain 
that you know, you know how you could say when someone's telling you something, you say, "Oh, I completely understand." I can't really say that. I've never had a woman that I needed to have an abortion with. You know, like I've never had to go through that. You know, so I I, I can't completely sympathize with this. I could I could sympathize with the political part of it about how they're using religion to basically um, destroy women's rights uh, over their uh, reproductive organs. And it's sick. It is, is completely sick. Other anti-abortion Republicans tried to rile up the party's base. Representative Matt Getz of Florida. Oh, Matt Getz is going to give us a quote. How about that? Wrote on Twitter referring to protesters outside the Supreme Court. This is a Getz quote here. And he knows a lot about women's rights. Let me tell you something. If anybody knows women's rights, it's Matt Getz, right? Anyway, so how many of the women rallying around overturning Roe over overeducated, underloved millennials who sadly returned from protests to a lonely microwave diner with their cats and no Bumble matches? This man is... And stop trying to be funny, Getz. You're not funny. You're You're not clever. You're not cute. You're a fucking idiot. And you know what? You, you should probably be in jail by now for some of the weird crap that I heard that you may have been. You know, everybody's, you know, innocent until proven guilty, especially when you're a rich, uh, you know, politician. But how de- I don't want a quote from Matt Getz. You, you know, you want to get the bottom of the barrel, you go to Matt Getz on that one. Such comments didn't align with the approach uh, recommended by the National Republican Senatorial Committee. According to a memo obtained by Axios with the Senate Republicans campaign arm, advised its members to be the compassionate consensus builder on abortion policy. Uh, So uh, we're going to go down here a bit uh, with the exceptions. Democrats vowing to fight. Here we go. Senator Elizabeth Warren, a Democrat, spoke to protesters outside the Supreme Court the day after the news broke to rally support for abortion rights. I am here because I am angry and I am here because the United States Congress can change all this. Angry but committed, she said. I like Elizabeth Warren. I got flack for that during the election season, but I, I dig her, you know, in a lot of ways. I, I do. A Friday mor- morning, Warren told uh, CBS News that the next step was to hold a vote on Democrats' abortion rights bill. Rights bill, we want to get everybody on record, she said. And you got which uh, old Chuck Schumer had to say. And a little bit of what is Roe v. Wade, for those of you. That's how I'm going to leave this uh, piece here. Roe v. Wade is a landmark superior, uh, excuse me, Supreme Court decision that legalized abortion across the United States. Uh, it was a 7-2 ruling. Wow, I had forgotten about that. It was announced on January 27, 22, 1973. Justice Harry Blackman, a modest Midwestern Republican and defender of the right to abortion, wrote the majority opinion. So this is actually quite a long piece here from the New York Times. Um, so yeah, um, you know Pelosi, she she chimed in on the whole uh, thing, but I don't listen to too much what Pelosi says anymore, uh, much of anything. But um, yeah, I'm gonna start inviting guests back. Um, uh, you know, hopefully by the beginning of the summer, I'd love to have like a female activist uh, here to help me uh, break down this societal issue of epic proportions because we need to stand up for this. Uh, statute because uh, because to ban abortion in this day and age would be so archaic, so counterproductive, and so regressive. I don't know if we would ever recover from something so damaging for so many women. Okay, so actually, let's get to the listener of the week. I'm doing the listener of the week this week, and her name, I believe, anyway, is uh, or her Twitter name is Lily Alexander. And I'm going to do like a little, I'm going to break this up a bit because she left me quite a nice long uh, message. Says, uh, uh, let's see, here's my story. 
I am legally blind and had a stroke 10 years ago. I have kidney failure and I am on dialysis. I had to leave my job working for the Division of Epidemiology and Preventative Medicine at UCSD, which I think is California San Diego University School of Medicine. She has two degrees from UCSD, one in political science and one other in history with a minor in economics. I was destined to go to law school, but unfortunately a family business took me away from school for over 10 years when I worked in comics. Oh, wow. I am really well known by most people in the comic book industry, and that's why she does not use her real name. Uh, goes on. She wrote a lot because, I mean, she's got a lot to say. She, she, great, she gives great comments on the show every week. Uh, she said, I read, uh, I've read much about uh, religion from the ancient Hindu text, the Vedas de Mahabharata, the wrong Ramayana. And I've read the Book of Mormon because it was a book lying around the house because Mormons used to come and try to convert my mother. Nice one, Lily. I also read parts of the Quran and, of course, our Bible, although I really shouldn't call it our Bible. And she says, here, your podcast resonates with me because you're speaking the truth about issues that confront America. Thank you, uh, Miss Alexander. You seem to be a rather creative person trapped in a system, and I hope that you're able to fulfill whatever destiny you have. Lovely words, and that really hits the nail on the head, uh, my friend. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, also, but if you need help, you should reach out to your listeners and see if they can contribute via Patreon, which I might try. You know, I, you know, it's my first year, and I have a, a nice little small base of listeners. But, you know, I don't... I, I feel funny asking you guys for donations, but maybe I will uh, try the Patreon route because a lot of a lot of guys do. Uh, so yeah, that was um, our listener of the week. Uh, she showed me a, a book that I should look at, uh, check out. It's called Command and Control Nuclear Weapons. Uh, Command and Control Nuclear Weapons. Uh, she's just a, a really brilliant mind, and I really uh, wanted to make her the listener of the week this week because she really deserves to be mentioned. Um, on the show, because she's, she's a really hip girl lady, and I'm glad I was able to do that, so, um, okay, so, actually, we're gonna do one more, actually, it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be actually a quick update on the Russian nuclear test they performed recently, I'm gonna get right to the piece, because we don't have too much time left, uh, this is the Russian, uh, nuclear test, this is from Asia Times, Russian test and Putin's threats call, recall Cold War nuke dread, uh, Russia is reporting to have held drills this week simulating nuclear-capable strikes, according to a statement by Russia's Ministry of Defense. Forces of the Baltic Fleet in the Kaliningrad region conducted training sessions to deliver mock missile strikes with the crews of the Iskander Operational Tactical Missile Systems. The Iskander has a range of about 300 kilometers, so missiles launched from Kaliningrad region could strike targets in western uh Western Ukraine, Poland, the Baltic states, and even parts of Germany. Wow. So that's, uh, you know, Russia is stockpiled with all sorts of uh, rockets, missiles, all sorts of uh, weapons of mass destruction. The latest drills uh, filed the unveiling on April 29th of Russia's new Sarmat ICBM. Uh, missile can del deliver their payloads onto targets in the U.S. up to 18,000 kilometers away. Putin said Sarmat has no analogs in the world and will not have for a long time to come. And it would be food for thought for those who, in the heat of the frenzied, aggressive rhetoric, try to threaten our country. You know, Putin, he's, he's full of bluster, I think, uh, oh, Vlad. I mean, you know, I mean, he, he did have the uh, the cojones to march into a, a foreign country and try to take it over. So I, I'll give him, you know, I'll give him, a, a, you know, 
you know, street cred, if you want to call it street cred, for, you know, invading your neighbor there. But it hasn't gone well. It hasn't gone well at all. Oh, my fa- one of my favorite uh, saying, uh, one of my favorite uh, things here, mutually assured destruction. Uh, let's see. This person writes, I am a researcher at the RAF Filingdales, a ballistic missile early warning station on the North York, North York Moors in Britain, I suppose. I spent the past three years building the Fly- Filingdales archive, which charts the station's 60-year history of watching the skies for signs of attack, uh, nuclear attack by ICBMs. Uh, BMOOS was built in response to the launch of the Sputnik in October 1957. Sputnik was the world's first artificial satellite launched from the top of the world's first ICBM. Oh, wow, the R-7. The satellite demonstrated that the Soviet Union had the capability to place a nuclear weapon on a rocket and strike anywhere on Earth with little warning. We're going back to early in 58. In response to the Sputnik, the U.S. Congress signed into existing measures that form the foundations of modern uh, strategic nuclear deterrence. In addition to BMEWS, B-M-E-W-S, for those that uh, didn't hear me correctly, Congress also approved the Atlas, Titan, and Minutemen ICBM program. These technologies form the basis of what became known as MAD, Mutually Assured Destruction, meaning both sides of a potential nuclear co- conflict have no firepower to e- destroy each other and the rest of the world. And I said this, I don't know what episode it was when they were talking about, oh, you know, will will Putin use nukes? Will, you know, will he go that route? And you know what I said, man? I said, um, forget about his people. I, you know, I don't think he cares all that much about, you know, his general public. But he's got so many billions of dollars. You know, he's... He's got so much to lose. So I think it's more interpersonal. Uh, I, I just don't think he wants to lose what he has, his personal property. I don't think he cares about, like I said, I don't think he cares about his populace very much. Certainly doesn't care about anybody else's populace. But I don't think he wants to lose what he has personally. And that's my personal take on it. Uh, let's see, mistakes and miscalculations. Deterrent strategies such as mutually assured destruction depend on a delicate game of psychological poker. The risk being that your uh, opponent's reaction might be far beyond what was anticipated. The dangers of this did not take long to materialize. In the early 1960s, the U.S. has its Jupiter Intermediate Ballistic uh, Range missiles stationed in Turkey and Italy, which uh, Moscow felt could destroy Russia before it even has a chance to retaliate. To level up there, as we know, the turn posture, Moscow started to deploy intermediate uh, range ballistic missiles in Cuba. And, you know, everybody was outraged by that. But look, I mean, we had we had missiles pointing right at their uh, some of their major cities in southern Russia. So they were just trying to even the playing field. Now, listen, I'm not going to say that, you know, if I was around back then that I would have, you know, sided with the Soviet Union. I mean, I'm in the United States, so obviously I wouldn't but you know, I mean, when it comes to the to the situation of warfare, you know, your 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 main enemy right now has has uh, ICBM missiles all all up around your uh, all over your your southern border, and and we you know you guys don't have any missiles or meaning the Soviet Union, so you know they tried to sneak them over here, didn't work out. You know, Kennedy played the played the uh, the long game, did a great job of that. So, but, you know, I, I mean, in a way, you couldn't blame him uh, for the whole Soviet uh, missile crisis thing. We know, my, you know, I don't think I've got to teach you guys about the standoff. Um, between them at the time, there was 29,700 uh, warheads. Uh, the U.S. had 26,400 to the Soviet Union's only 3,300. So at the time, the United States had, uh, you know, a, a lot more uh, firepower at the time. 
Following this crisis, measures were put uh, in place to ease nuclear tensions between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. So, uh, finishing off here um, on on this subject, uh, firstly, is, um, you know, uh, with the ICBMs, with, with Russia, with the, with the war, you know, I, I'm getting a little fatigued. Just like I got fatigued uh, at this time last year with the whole Palestine, uh, you know, the Palestine-Israel situation. I'm getting fatigued with this Russian-Ukrainian war. You know, sometimes I guess as, you know, quote, uh, I mean, I don't like to call myself a journalist, you know, but as a person in the media, you know, you know, I keep, keep talking about the same subjects over and over again. That's why I flipped a few things, uh, changed a few things around the last couple of shows, but I felt like I had to uh, bring this up because they're actually getting into the testing of nuclear weapons, which is something you really got to uh, report to people who may not be aware or may want to hear, you know, I try to pick the best pieces I can, you know, to read off of and then put in my opinion, and I, I hope you dig it. But um, so anyway, uh, we talked about a few different things. I want to thank my listener of the week one more time. Uh, and on Twitter, she's known as Miss Louie Alexander. Uh, wonderful message. Thank you for your support uh, always. Um, so yeah, um, this whole thing with the Russia-Ukraine thing, man, I, I hope I hope uh, they can reach some sort of settlement uh, you know, by the end of the summer. And as for the abortion thing, like I said, I'd love to have a like a female activist come on here. If any of you out there hear me, uh, that would like to come on the show, that you know have the chops to, to really, you know, to really talk about it, you know, to to you know to educate me on the whole abortion thing, you know, because it's not so much, it's not a subject that I that I touched a lot. And so you know, more recently when all this stuff came out about the banning, and of course SpaceX with your buddy, with my buddy, you know, I love him. I love him, Elon Musk. <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyway, this was episode two. Uh, episode's actually 47. Uh, season five, I am the Gentle Rambler, and I'm signing off.